The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Hi guys and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, a show about all things Port Adelaide Footy Club. I'm your host, Macca19, and tonight we have part two of our most influential recruit special um, with Fishing Rick and Ford Fairlane. Uh, tonight we will be discussing our best and most influential AFL recruits. Hope you enjoy. Anyway, moving on and talking about uh, Port Adelaide's history in the AFL now, um, and starting at the top back in '96 uh, when we were just starting out, um, trying to land a bit of a big fish, and we landed... Um, such an important player in our history. Obviously, he played with us in 1990, won a premiership, went over to Essendon and played 127 games there. Numerous uh, All-Australian jumpers and, and a Brownlow medal in 93. Um, he came back to be our captain in 97. Uh, good old Gavin Wanganine. He's not a recruit. Of course he is. What are you doing here? <laughs> he came from our heartland. <laughs> What's going on here? That's just outrageous. You just want to talk about Gav. Is that such a bad thing? Oh, yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. I, I sort of, I always considered Gav just someone who came home. That's it. So, but yeah. I guess, you know, others would call him a recruit, but his heart was always with Port Adelaide. Absolutely. Just how important was it landing Gav uh, for that inaugural season? It was it was huge, you know. The guy he was a Brownlow medalist and a Premiership player, and and nobody left big Victorian clubs. You know, we we couldn't get we couldn't quite get Nathan to come back, but but Gav did. You know, Gav walked away with all of with all of those honours. He he still came back to Port Adelaide and said, you know, I think his his words at the time were, "I'm I'm coming home," yeah. and he he did. The unthinkable, and the, I mean Essendon were one of the, I guess the, the Victorian big four clubs, and just really rare for them to lose, a, you know, lose a quality player. It wasn't like, you know, when Frio used to play with, play with um, Frio and and give them magic beans to pick up players like Matthew Lloyd. This this was, you know, genuinely quality player. One of one of their, I'd reckon, I think they'd recognise as one of their their great players. That, during his time there and and came back to port That's it. and uh, was just, yeah, just fantastic. We did struggle to land a bit I of think... a big fish that uh, that year. You know, we were after Nick Holland, Scott Camparelli. I think we went after Tony Modra as well. Obviously, Buckley, um, Shane Chris Grant, Crossford, Grant. Chris Grant almost Grant. got over the line but, uh, but chose yeah. to stay at the Dogs um, in the end. So landing someone like Gavin Wanganine and him returning home was was just huge and he had such a fantastic career at uh, at AFL level for Port Adelaide as well you know numerous old Australians um, almost won a second Brownlow probably deserved it um, in 2003 and of course just had such an untold influence on that 04 grand final I think he was under underestimated too because of his versatility because he didn't really lock down a permanent position and he could play everywhere um, yeah, he probably lacks a little bit of the kudos that you get when you're a star player just in one position. But, I mean, the attributes that I always will remember with Gavin is not only that his skills, but he was hard. He was he was a, like a physically tough player. He'd put his body for a lightly framed player where it shouldn't go and he'd just take the hits. And I still maintain it's a bit of a weird 
uh, observation on my part, but he was one of the most skillful players of being able to read the ball and how it was going to bounce off the ground. Yep. Some players can't do it, but he knew which way the ball was going to go, the way it was floating, and you know, it didn't matter if it was you know, a mongrel kick or whatever. He, it was His ability like that was amazing. I still remember back in... 2002 as well, and on the hour of Amy, I reckon he he chased down the great Andrew McLeod, who's supposed to be one of the fastest players in the competition, and and no one really linked speed with Gavin Wanganeen, but he was able to run him down, and uh, a magnificent player and a great captain. He was a great captain, and I think a lot of people consider that sort of 97 through to 2000 almost like the Gavin Wanganeen lost years, where no one really talks about them too much. He, He missed a lot of games through injury, but... You know, he had a, he had a marvellous year in 97 in our first year. Playing as a midfielder, he, had, he was fantastic again in 98. He did miss quite a few games later on, but, you know, he, he did improve again once he uh, relinquished the captaincy. But, you know, he was just a marvellous footballer. One of those guys was probably a victim of his own high standards. Uh, people just had enormous expectations of him and... I mean, I still remember his first year in in 1990, and and just what a freakish talent he was there, and kicking those those two goals in the third quarter of that grand final, and then you see him, you know, a, a dozen years or more, 14 years later, and and kicking them in prelim finals and grand finals to to get to win Port Adelaide a premiership. His mm. two other recruits in that uh, in that first season were Matthew Primus and Stephen Paxman. Both came. Um, in a roundabout way from from Brisbane, but obviously they came from Fitzroy as well. Um, Primus refused to go to Brisbane, so it was one of our sort of big trades. Um, I think they ended up with a with a high pick as uh, as compensation for that. Uh, but he paid us back in spades. Obviously became captain, was a multiple All Australian player. Um, had ruck rules changed um, to sort of quell his influence on on football games. And Stephen Paxman was just a a rock solid fullback for us. They're both both terrific players. I mean, I remember Primus well at Norwood um, when he got cut by Geelong and and went to Norwood and probably his first year there was fairly anonymous and then really hit the gym and, and sort of built himself up into that man mountain that, that we all remember him as and had this enormous year with Norwood as a ruckman and went to Fitzroy and had a, a huge year with them. I think it was their, in their last year. And then, yeah, and the, those interesting rules that the AFL sets up that he managed to find his way to Port Adelaide. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, you've said all the things there about him, but, you know, a, a great captain, a great a great leader and uh, terrific player, you know. It's sort of a bit, a little bit scary, I guess, when he kicked <laughs> the ball. It's a, a, might have missed the occasional target, but an enormous physical presence and, and quite a physical man. I mean, he... He was, he was quite happy to, to to give you a mouthful and and a hand a bit out too. It was, he was a, one of those great physically intimidating ruckmen, and I know it's always been a, a Port Adelaide thing. Kale always wanted ruckmen to, to be physically intimidating because you know the, the the theory goes they're the biggest guy on the ground, so they should be there looking after the little blokes. And I think Jacqueline probably learned that as much from Neil Curley as as Foss Williams that. That was the way that it went, and and Primus was, you know, was just that archetypal big man, like that big, strong, physical presence, and would just take anyone on. And those knee injuries, it's just that was that was a football tragedy uh, that that just cut short 
what what could have been an even greater career. Well, he deserved a premiership. He did. He did deserve a premiership. He did, and it was it was very unfortunate. And I wonder now if he was playing now, would those ruck rules still be changed like they were back then? It's almost that's how they want ruckman to ruck now: less jump and uh, yeah, more uh, just a bit more physicality around the contest. That's right. Um, probably the biggest trade we've done um, as our career was the Nathan Eagledon trade where um, the Dogs were after him for a number of years. They got him um, at the end of 99 and we received Brett Montgomery, Matthew Bishop um, and a pick that we used on Brent Guerra um, as compensation for, for losing Nathan Eagledon. It was, it, was a, it was a huge trade. It was, I sort of still... Had to laugh a bit at the end. I think when the end of Eagledon's career, and there were some dog supporters trying to come. Well, we we won that trade in the end, <laughs> and, uh, and no I thought, chance. you know, what, what was the point of who wins that? The, the whole point of that trade was that everyone got what they needed out yeah. of it. I think everyone won that trade. We we got two players, I mean Bishop and Montgomery, who who won us. A, you know, were certainly big contributors to our premiership, and Montgomery, who just turned out to be such a good player. And um, and they got they got Eagleton who who really developed into a really good footballer which you know we thought he would be and and put on that that physical size he probably needed and and probably got away from being a bit of a role player in our forward line and part time midfielder to being a pretty I guess a, a quite a consistent midfielder for the Bulldogs and and a leading midfielder and it was, it was great it was a great trade all round and I, I think it sort of gives light of that fact that. Port Adelaide got this reputation after the Nick Stevens fiasco about being difficult to trade with, when really in that that trade we we just tried to be fair. Absolutely. All Williams wanted was a fair trade, and I think Port Adelaide has shown time and again that we'll trade fairly, and it's not about trying to win the trade. It's just a matter of we get what we want, someone else gets what they want. I mean, you saw it with the Pollock deal, that Port worked really hard to get that over the line, The Port worked really hard to get the Ryder deal over the line, and I think, you know, they put any number of scenarios up to Essendon before uh, Essendon finally just took the first and second round picks. Um, well, was... And then we done through our ages, and, and I think that, that trade was one of the great trades for, for, for everyone. Indeed. Even Melbourne. I mean, they got Stephen Powell out of it, and he had a pretty good career for Melbourne as well. Yeah, it's just right. one of those trades was... where everyone's a winner, almost like the uh, the Darren Jarman sort of you know Paul Salmon trade, where, yeah. which involved about eight different clubs, and you know everyone got something fantastic out of it. Um, and Eagleton was a was a great young player for us. I mean, he played for the country in '98, was on the borderline of old Australian that year as well. I think um, had a bit of a down year in '99, but. In the end, I mean, Montgomery had 126 games, best and fairest, old Australian, won a premiership. Bishop, 132 games, premiership. They were just absolute locks um, in our back line in those years. Yeah, uh, just terrific. And Bishop, I remember seeing Bishop um, play against us in a, a game against Melbourne, and he just looked so good, big, tall, mobile, rebounding guy. I was, I was quite surprised when we got him, and and uh, I think he'd been a probably was one of the best games he played. Yeah. So probably had other games where he was a little more anonymous and they were more willing to let him go than I would have thought based on that. But he was just a terrific player for us. And uh, to see a guy like that, that his height and, and dash and rebound. And quickly, we just go back and, and mention Paxman because I think we only talked about Primus in the end. But 
was a just such a good fullback for us, such a strong, reliable guy. And I think that that's was it the spoil of the the, the Brisbane game yep. that we won it's round four, um, seven. Yeah, when we lost our first three games, and it was like our first win, and we just he just gave above and beyond the call of duty to to save that game from from getting away and and that was the sort of the way he played very unfashionable player and but but so effective what do you reckon rick he um he wanted to continue on didn't he and we sort of wanted to push him out in the end is that right or did he uh, naturally come to a uh an end of the playing career. I think he wanted to go around one more year, you know, four, but um, yeah, but yeah, didn't happen. Yeah, we no, it didn't happen. But no, I thought he was a great defender. He had a bit of that Rob Carter head angle <laughs> to him, didn't he? From, <laughs> but uh, I was, I mean, I thought Mag- Montgomery was a ma- magnificent reader of the play. Yep. Um, one of those smaller players where he was so strong overhead and was willing to take the hit to sort of be that third man and. Uh, yeah, he was, him and Bishop were both influential. And I guess Bishop was a bit similar to Toby Thurston's in a, a bit of a maligned player. But I, I could see the value of Bishop in our side. And, you know, he provided that versatility that we loved down back with being able to play tall or small. But he had fantastic dash and uh, both great servants. And I thought it was an equal trade, Indeed. to be honest. I, yeah, I think everyone won and uh, there doesn't need to be... Uh, a, a one isolated winner out of that deal, and Eagleton forged out a, a great career for the Bulldogs. Yeah, he played 222 games for the Western Bulldogs, so no doubt um, the Dogs got fantastic service out of that trade as well. Um, and yeah, I mean Bishop was just a wonderful rebounding, you know, third toll defender. He was arguably the best sort of third toll defender in the league um, across that sort of 0304 um, era there. Um, and Brett Montgomery, I mean, he came over as sort of a high flying, flighty. Um, inconsistent forward flanker, and we just turned him into um, the best halfback flanker in the league. You really, you really become one of those the intercept halfback flanker, the, almost the archetype of that that type of player that he would just drop off his man and just just float across half forward, and just because he was such a great marker, I think he he put away the the big screamers got put away in the kit bag because I think he copped a couple of injuries, hurt his knees a couple of times going for those big hangers and coming down. And really just relied on his reading of the play, and and he was a great marker, you know, normal ground level anyway, and just really became a terrific intercept player and and uh, an integral part of that 2004 premiership side. Another one who was uh, probably his best mate on a back flank there was Damien Hardwick, who we we picked up from Essendon, and he had a fantastic career at Essendon. He was an old Australian player. I think he won a best and fairest there as well. Um, we got him for two picks um, at the end of 2001, and he came over. Only played three years at Port Adelaide, but what a three years they were! Yeah, just uh, really added some some fire and some steel to that to the Port side. I think we'd we'd been a bit you know, had our reputation for being a bit flaky in finals, and um, really came across and, and brought some that know how with him, and maybe went a bit overboard. I think in the early part of his, his time at Port. I think there were a couple of suspensions in there that probably were were a, a, a bit of extravagant activity, I guess you could say, or extravagant behaviour, but uh, just just a terrific player. One of those, Another one of those blokes who could just drop off and, and read the ball coming in, playing across half-back, read the ball coming in so well, he could basically just, you know, destroy a, a forward and 
and be attacking as well. And and his his particular brand of aggravation just could get under the skin of anyone. And he was well, in that uh, 2004 grand final, I think it was, was uh, Akamanis who who lost the plot with him at one stage and shoved him into the centre square. Uh, was, he was he was great value, Demmer. He was so entertaining to watch. And I think in the end, his, uh, Jack, sort of, Jack, sorry, uh, Mark, nursed him along quite well because his knees were, were pretty shot by the, the end of his career. And, and we just sort of kept managed to keep him playing, even despite that. He was what our playing group needed, though. A bit more maturity... Uh, a bit more composure under pressure and a, and that hardness, uh, yeah. you know, and he was really, like you said, he was really able to, when he needed to um, create that distraction for, you know, for the opposition, which we, which then allowed us to do what we needed to do. So it was one of those um, great trades that worked out well for us. And, uh, you know, it's that sort of player we're probably looking for now in our side, that bit of, you know, almost a bit like maybe Paul Chapman sort of, you know, just to slot in with a, a bit of experience and uh, but a bit of ability to distract the opposition team and uh, plug a hole for us. You had to do it, Rick, didn't you? <laughs> you had to mention Paul Chapman. <laughs> I couldn't help it. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Well, look, speaking of hardness, um, Byron Pickett, what an enigma he was for Port Adelaide. He, oh. he came, he conquered... And then he left. Simple as that. <laughs> Another man who, who created, who forced the AFL to create some new rules. Only, only this time in terms of reporting. I mean, he, yeah. What can you say? He was the, the human wrecking ball. Just brilliantly talented player, and could deliver the most perfect bump. I think he had that that tremendous core strength, a barrel sort of barrel chested and just timed his bump so well. I remember you know, when he was playing at, at Port Adelaide back in the under-17s or 19s, and and he got quite a reputation there for for his, his ability to hand out shirt fronts and, and basically break collarbones. And you'd, you'd see league players would go and watch the under-19s or 17s play just to watch Byron play, just to see if he, he picked anyone off that day. And... I think it was at Brendan Crummel, that famous yep. bump he handed out when North Melbourne were playing Hawthorne, and I think it was replayed on the footy screen at, at Footy Park that night, and everyone just sort of went, oh, ow, that would have hurt, and came to port, and probably that, that bumping, he's a bit, a bit like Granger in the sense that his ability to, to just split you up the middle overshadowed his, his skill a bit and became a bit more of a, of a focus of of his football talent when he was just a superbly skilled player and, you know, quick and read the play well, beautiful skills. And, I mean, his 0-4 grand finals was just an amazing game of footy. Do you think he really got distracted with the physicality or was it more a media beat-up? Um, yeah, I, just, I think he was just, like you said, a perfectly uh, executable player when it comes to the bump. He just did it so well and the AFL didn't like it. And yep. so they, they tried what they could do to, to minimise his impact in yeah. being able to execute those in the game. His career did get kind of ruined, I think, um, in the end. There were a couple of bumps that he laid in 2005 where 
he just shouldn't have even been reported for them. I think there was one um, against Carlton late in the year where he ended up getting suspended for two weeks for something that wouldn't even be a report these days. I mean, it yeah. was really bad. It, I think he was pretty much um, picked out of the AFL um, in that regard. And as I said, he came, he conquered, he, he won the Norm Smith in not in '04, um, and then he left. Went to Melbourne, and uh, no one really saw much of him there either. No, he, he did a, a, a few things there. He knocked out Paul Kane Corns, yeah, I think, did, in one yeah. game. It wasn't really a bump as such. Brought I think him just into the tackle. Yeah, pinned his arms. It was it was pretty unlucky uh, that it panned out the way it did. And I think I don't think he he pumped that many guys. It was just that you were always waiting for it, and that he could do it so mm. well. But yeah, as you said, I mean the Begley one was, you know, certainly didn't deserve six weeks. I think that was when they brought in their the new grading system, and basically threw the the maximum level. Of, of every grading at him and cop this huge suspension for for bumping a guy who, who basically all he wound up with was a sore neck, played the rest of the game and, and came out and played the next week despite all his talk, oh, he had concussion and this had happened and that had happened. And but Begley was fine, played the next week, didn't seem to be any issue, but Byron got something like six weeks for that. Yeah. You sort of knew he got reported. He got reported because it was ugly. And it was the potential of what it could have yep. done and not what it actually did do. It was a yeah. bit of hysteria going mad by the AFL. I think, the, I mean, the, it was the, the perfect chance for them to, to play with their new system and especially for a guy that it was sort of targeted at anyway because he, he, did, he scared people. There's no doubt he was, it was, a, he was a scary guy to play against and they were, they were scared of their image. And, and so Byron, Byron copped it. But, yeah, some of the, I remember that Carlton bump, as you mentioned, and, again, you just, you just wonder what, what was going on. And I think Mark Williams made the, the, state, the statement in the end that he was, he was, you just couldn't play him anymore. Yeah. The, the rules had made him virtually unplayable. And that was he didn't, we cleared he him shirt, from Melbourne. He shirt-fronted the best bloke he could shirt-front, though, and Rhett Piglins. Yeah. That, was a, that, was a fan, that was a fantastic clean-up, that one. Yeah, Rhett started it, self-inflicted punishment. Yeah, because he, he ran at Byron and Byron, okay, let's see what happens. <laughs> and, uh, Poor Rhett. I know. Uh, he's captured on captured reasonably on YouTube, but I, I think it, it just happened enough off-screen. You didn't quite see the full impact. But yeah, a huge, a huge bumper, amazing, amazing talent, and yeah, it was a, it was a shame the way that that his career finished up. It's great that he's still back around at Port Adelaide and he's doing his bit, and he was one of the one of the players that uh, took Paddy Ryder out to dinner and and you know a bit of a feed and a bit of a chat with with some of the boys, and good to see Byron still at the club and and doing his part, and yeah, terrific, terrific Port Adelaide person still. Indeed. Now for one of the best value trades, not just for Port LA, but arguably across the old AFL of all time, which is Jay Schultz for Mitch Farmer and pick 71, <laughs> which has just got to go down as the best value trade of all time. I mean, Jay Schultz has just been a monster since crossing over. Um, you know, He's played almost 100 games, kicked over 200 goals, just an absolute lock at full forward for us. Um, yeah. Mitch Farmer played about 10 really unimpressive games for Richmond and pick 71 was Ben Nason. Yeah, Schultz, he's just, just a great warrior, isn't he? He's a gladiator, a genuine gladiator. And, you know, the, that kicking that kicking action of his, uh, 
I think um, I think a Western Australian commentator might have been um, Tom Grilliusich one day talking about Scott Cummings and he was like a sewing machine. It was just so precise and and moved the same way every time. And, and Schultz is like that. You you're always shocked when he misses and uh, such a heroic player. He's had some terrible injuries and just puts his body on the line and you know got it, the, the knee in the the ribs from was it from west off the yeah. pulp his spleen and oh you know the and the, the eye, head from poke the eye and, oh, <laughs> just uh oh, hey 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 he was faking that poke in the yeah, eye, yeah yeah cheap 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 remember his eyeball was sticking out of his head but he was faking it <laughs> was hanging he down his ankles <laughs> I mean, you never knew that Jay was going to perform to the level that he is now, though, when, when he was drafted from Richmond. I mean, he was, you know, no offence to Jay, and he'd probably admit it himself. He was a bit undisciplined and a little bit flaky. So you didn't know really what you were getting when uh, when he came across. And, you know, it's a credit to the, himself and the coaches that he's been able to turn it around and become such a uh, fantastic forward for us. And, you know, we don't play a system, and modern AFL doesn't play a system where... Uh, it's easy to get over 50 goals from a full forward this year. But, uh, you know, in, in times gone by, you know, he probably could have been uh, in the 90s or 80s a 500-goal forward the way he plays. Yeah, certainly the, the old, sort of the older style play, genuine 100-goal full forward. And and he, even he was dropped for a little while, even when he came over here, it sort of didn't really click straight away. And I remember him going back to the Eagles and I think he kicked seven goals in a match there and just was deadly accurate and then got promoted back up into the league side. And I think he's just found another lease of life under Kenny Hinckley. But Kenny sort of made that statement about telling Jay, you know, Jay, there is no fence around the 50 metre arc. You can't actually go outside it. And Jay's just become a great lead up the ground type of player as well. I think that's where Ryder's just going to be so important to us that if, if Jay's up on the wing marking and Ryder's running back into the forward 50, you you wouldn't want to be the key defender having to match up on him and getting caught one out, especially if he, if he can have a run at the ball. Yep. That's right. Now, I think uh, there's one more player to mention um, who played just the 21 games for the Port Adelaide Footy Club. He crossed over from Collingwood. Um, but I doubt anyone will have as much impact as J-Mac has had on our club in such a short, a short space of time. Yeah, I guess we talked about tragedies earlier, didn't we? And, I mean, that's just the ultimate one. Um, a, a good player, you know, he was a good player and, and I think under Ken would have been, you know, a first 22 player and, and one of those guys that's a real... Uh, creating a bond, that, that real bond we're sort of seeing in their team. And I think it's something that, that doesn't get talked about a lot with the sides under Kale and the, especially the 80s, uh, late 80s, early 90s, that there was a, there was a real a, a real bond between those guys, Hines, Hodges, Brown, the Smiths, Marnie, uh, Williams, North East. You know, they were all really good mates and, and had a really strong connection on and off the field. And I think we're getting that with with these guys now and, and I think J Max right at the middle of that and and there's you know such a, a tragic loss but also he's become a real glue of that side and, and those those guys have really bonded together that were involved in that, that whole terrible incident and yeah, yeah it's um 
Yeah, it's terrible. It's just a, a, an awful day. Another one of those awful things in your hair or something's happened to a player over in America and you think, oh, that's terrible, and then suddenly you get a call and someone says, oh, I've heard it's J-Mac, and you think, oh, you're kidding, you know. I've been there with this already. Don't, don't, can't believe that's the case. And, but, yeah, it was. And, and I think there's some poignant photos of some of the guys. I was looking at the picture of Jackson Trengove going back there this year, and, um, yeah, it must be hard. But his his life hasn't been in vain, I don't think, because his spirits uh, resounded within the footy club and and with the players that he he fell in love with with the team and and they it's clear that they they play for for his memory and uh, he won't be forgotten and uh, sometimes it's not about the quantity or the quality that you play it's it's what you do and he's left an imparting uh, memory for for everyone involved with the football club. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Cool. A good note to end it on, I think. Well, the other thing I think too is for the we've got a few members of the board which are, are still young and they're in their teens or early twenties, and I'd highly recommend YouTubing a lot of these players that have been brought up tonight. And uh, I think you know some of the skills that you'll see from front some of those players uh, mentioned uh, and some of the things they're involved in uh, are worth having a look at. Yeah, certainly. I think. Um... The, the, the beauty of YouTube is that it gives you a chance. I mean, we will probably not see much of like the McLeans or the Williams or the Ableys where guys are, you know, of my era never saw them play and, and there just isn't that footage around. But now, you know, certainly football from the 80s, 70s and 80s, it's, it's available on YouTube and, and beyond that, of course, of the more recent stuff is... It's just grown exponentially over the last few years and and you, you really do have a chance to see some of that and it's great. There's one other player, I don't know, we, we didn't mention, Daryl Wakelin, um, coming back to, to Port. From nah, he's a Port boy. <laughs> yeah, well, so, so, so is Wangers. So is Wangers and Wangers got a mention. Ah. And, uh, and Daryl Wakelin, we, we did have to trade for him. He cost us pick four and <laughs> fantastic true. fullback. Fantastic fullback, Daryl Wakelin, and he was for a few years there. Just you know, that it was just take the kick in, kick it to Wakelin, Wakelin will yeah. mark it. <laughs> Absolutely, it was a, yeah. it was a great strategy. That worked. The get out of jail free. Hopefully, card. Paddy Ryder like, was one of those players. It was like that other recruit that we had to pull from uh, Salisbury West. You know, Scott Hodges. It was yeah, you know, it was amazing how we were able to land him in the, in our side, and uh, and the wonders that he did as well. <laughs> Well, <laughs> Centrals did make him stand out of footy for for at least a year to get a clearance back in the old days because he was in their zone. It was a strange, it's strange because his father played for Port Adelaide. It was only four games that Jeff played for Port, but he played for Port and he played for Woodville. And the ruling, the rule these days is it's one game. I think is the, the father son rule in the Sandful. But back then he he didn't qualify and he actually lived in the bit of Salisbury that was still was in Central zone and Centrals hadn't even noticed him until. Sandboy Cup footy, and he played for Port the Sandboy Cup, which I think was under 15s, and had a terrific competition there. And Centrals decided they wanted him, and the Hodges family were all just you know black and white blooded. I mean Scott Scotts, I think there are he's got only as black and white blood, and there was no way he was going to play for Centrals. And yeah, it was it was quite a. Uh, fairly ugly way that he was he was forced to basically stand out of footy to get a clearance to Port Adelaide, which he did in the end and became a legend of the club. Absolutely. All right, guys. 
We could have gone for yeah, four hours. <laughs> I told you, Macca. We barely even well, scratched you the surface. Break yeah, we had hundreds of names ready to go. We didn't even do go Phil Harrison. <laughs> well, that's ah, true. Phil Harrison. Phil Harrison. The gun. Hey, well, um, Tony Mallard, tell us. You mentioned Spiro. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Phil Tony. Yeah. All right, boys. Until next time. All right. Okay. Go Port Adelaide. Good one. Well, yes, indeed. Go the power. Go Port Adelaide. Love you, Dom. <laughs> Love you, Dommy. Who delivers beautifully on the chest of Thurston. Pick it for the overall.